Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... tend to only want to talk to people about the guilt part. And notice here that the motivation he's giving the Philippian church for living the Christian life is not fear. The motivation here for living the Christian life is not obligation. The motivation here is hope. The motivation for living for God here, right, is the hope of heaven. There is a beautiful promise to all people in the Bible. If you place your trust in Jesus, you have the hope of heaven. Eternal life with God Himself is our motivation to follow Jesus while we're here on earth. In today's study, Pastor Jim will teach what it means to be a citizen of heaven and how it impacts our life here, right now. The Bible says that if we have made our decision for Jesus, we won't be citizens of heaven only when we die. We have that citizenship already with rights and privileges as long as we embrace that identity. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians with part one of his message entitled, Joyful Citizens. Some of you know this, that I am very fascinated by public opinion polls. It's one of those things that you ever think of certain careers that you never had, but you could see yourself doing. And I could definitely see myself out on the street asking people all kinds of questions because I'm so interested in what people are thinking, what makes people tick. And, you know, some of the classic poll questions are stuff like, are are you hopeful for the future? And you get a lot of, oh, no, no, not really these days. Uh, Are you satisfied with the job our elected officials are doing? Yeah, that's not a good one at all. I heard Chris Matthews, who's considered to be a liberal commentator on the radio the other day, and he said, I was shocked, he said, I don't care who gets elected in the next presidential race, and I don't care what party he comes from, as long as it's somebody who's able to bring this country together somewhat. Now, that shows you how things are, are really going. What about that question we've all heard before? Are you better off today than you were four years ago? Or are you better off now than you were before? And of course, you know that the, the numbers are often not good, especially things like approval ratings when things are not going well. People are losing hope. People are very much afraid of the future. People are very dissatisfied with our government. But there is a place, a very, very real place, that can give us hope, and that place is called heaven. And it is filled with what is the title of this morning's message Joyful citizens, joyful citizens. Now, despite all of the money that people seem to be making by writing books about heaven and making movies about heaven, the Bible doesn't tell us much about heaven. In fact, most of those books and movies contradict everything the Bible does tell us about heaven. And the reason I think it doesn't tell us much about heaven is it's beyond earthly description. But the Bible does very plainly teach us how to get to heaven. We get there by God's grace through faith. It's because of what God does, and and we grab a hold of it through faith. And that's Ephesians chapter 2, if you're taking notes. And 
Here in Philippians 3, we were told that we need to have the righteousness from God. God takes our sin, if you will, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ and gives us his righteousness through faith. That tells us that heavenly citizenship or going to heaven is granted here on earth through a response of faith through a response of putting our trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross in our place for our sins. So a citizen of heaven lives in sort of a tension on this earth. We're very grateful for the past. We're very grateful for the cross. We're very grateful for what God has done for us in saving us from our sins. We're also very hopeful in the future that the Bible says that God will bring his people to heaven And those two things together, despite what might be going on now, just the fact that those two things exist and we know the Lord, give us great joy now. So we can be joyful now. And being joyful now is a big topic in the book of Philippians, a letter of Philippians, written by the Apostle Paul while he's in jail to a church that he had planted some almost 10 years ago, and he loved very, very much. So as we often do, I want to back us up to what we covered last week to ease us into what we want to cover this week. Last week, we covered verse 17 through 19, and he said, brethren, talking to Christians, join in following my example and note those who so walk, and walk is the way we live. So he's saying, look for people, we said last week, who are living out the Christian life as you have us, those of us living the Christian life, for a pattern. So he's saying, find good examples to follow. All flawed, definitely, but people who are pressing in, pushing for the kingdom of God. Verse 18, he said, for many walk, and we said last week how sad that is, probably talking about people in our churches, unbelieving people in the churches is a big theme of the Bible. And you say, well, well, how do you know? Because he's always talking about unbelieving people in churches and worship services. One of the things is that people outside the church, they don't really read the Bible, do they? Some people say, oh, I read the Bible. And you say, well, really, what have you read recently? They go, no, nah, I don't read the Bible. <laughs> you know? It's like the people you say, they go, oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. I go, give me your top three. And they go, I don't have three. Top two. <laughs> I don't really have two. Top one, uh, I don't really read the Bible, (laughs) okay? So we get that, and unfortunately, a lot of the people are church people. So he says, for many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. We said last week, the enemies of the cross of Christ are not the people that would be outside picketing Christianity. A lot of times, they're people in churches, We're like, you know, we really don't believe that you have to trust in Jesus to go to heaven. Or, you know, you can kind of be good to go to heaven. Or, you know, we don't talk about the cross because it's kind of brutal. It's kind of mean. We don't really like that. I mean, I've heard people refer to it as cosmic child abuse and just, you know, we, we don't really like to talk about that kind of stuff. And then what does the Bible say about them whose end is destruction? That is the Bible's way of saying that they're going to go to hell whose God is their belly, they just chase after their own desires with no regard to God, whose glory is in their shame, they expect us to be happy that they're living contrary to the word of God. And what we really want to note today is he says, who set their mind on earthly things. But committed followers of Jesus Christ, those who have received the righteousness from God, that's Philippians 3, verse 9, which was received through faith, are very different. We 
have the capacity to be, and we should be, joyful citizens. Now, what distinguishes joyful citizens, three things we want to look from these two verses this morning. Number one, joyful citizens have the hope of heaven. They have the hope of heaven. Look with me at verse 20. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. Let's just stop right there. Two weeks ago, we talked about that Christian maturity takes place when we press into our faith, when we follow hard after Jesus Christ. And as we said last week, sadly, there's just not many examples of that. Last week, we were talking about the enemies of the cross. Again, we just said people who say, I'm fine with Jesus. I go to church. I said, come on, I'm not an enemy of the cross. But when you talk about everything that it represents, then you find out merely maybe they're not the friends of the cross that they think that they are. And he tells us one huge distinguishing factor of such people. He says, they set their mind on earthly things. That's verse 19. Well, this morning here, verse 20, look at the contrast of joyful citizens in verse 20, they set their minds on home. Home for them is where? Heaven. So the enemies of the cross, the people who are, the Bible says are heading to destruction, their minds are set focused on earth and those who are going to heaven, their minds are focused on heaven. Now, Colossians 3.2, the apostle Paul said this to the Colossians, set your mind on things above not on things of earth. What is he saying? He's just saying, you know, only think about heaven. No, no, he's saying, let the fact that this life is not it, let that be your motivation for this life. So setting your head, this is not the end of things. Wherever you are today and any problems you might have, the Lord's gonna change them. And so don't focus so heavily on what's wrong with earth, but set your minds on things above. Now, most people that you and I know are spiritual, right? You know anybody who says, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious? And I always say, well, could you explain to me what that means? Because I think I am too, spiritual, but not religious. And so there's a good chance for you to open up the dialogue. Jesus did it in John 4 with the woman at the well. And, you know, he's talking about spirit and truth. And so that's a great way to talk to people about faith. But most people, while they'll say they're spiritual, what difference does it make in their lives? Absolutely none, right? Why? Do you know why that is? Earth. (laughs) Earth. This place eats your lunch, doesn't it? I mean, this place makes your life miserable at times. This place can absolutely drain the life out of you, which is why the apostle says, if you just set your minds on earth, you're gonna be drained. This is not it. And sadly, we just saw in the video, Jesus talked about the cares of the world. And the cares of the world have made so many Christians earthly-minded and no heavenly good. Do you ever hear people say, oh, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? If you know anybody like that, would you do me a favor and introduce me to that person? Because I don't know that person. I know people that are flaky. (laughs) They're not helpful in any way, but that's not being heavenly minded. Being heavenly minded is being mindful of the things of God. It's when God says to me, you know, husbands love your wives. So when I love my wife, I'm being heavenly minded. I'm living as a citizen of of heaven. See, the mindset set on heaven sees earth for what it really is. 
There's a lot of problems with Earth. Most of you would agree with that, right? It's always nice to have people who want to agree, right? So there's a lot of problems with Earth, but for a Christian, a big part of Earth is to prepare us for heaven. A big part of Earth, right, is to make us homesick. So, you know, ladies, if your husband's on the men's retreat this weekend, he's going to come back really tired, Saturday morning, I got into bed at the retreat. My roommate was 17. This is what happens when you room with a 17-year-old, my son. And so I got into bed, and immediately I was homesick. You know, I'm all busy about the retreat, and I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I was home. I wish I, was, I could talk to Pam right now. And, and that's a large part of what earth does for a Christian is because this earth is so messy is so difficult, it makes us homesick. Now, Philippi, St. Paul is writing to the Philippian church in his letter or epistle to the Philippians, and, and Philippi was a small city in northern Greece, but it was part of the vast Roman Empire. So it's a small city within a big, big place. It's what's called a Roman colony. So what do you have to do when you're a small colony in a big empire as far as the, the laws and guidelines go? You have to follow them, right? And so they would have to follow laws and guidelines that came from somewhere else, somewhere bigger, if you will. And, but that also came with rights and privileges. You know, in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul, he gets beaten. And I think he's afraid that when he leaves town, they're gonna beat some of the Christians. And they go, you know, you can't just beat Roman citizens because you don't like their religion. And what is he doing? He's invoking the rights of being a Roman citizen. He's reminding them, we may be far from Rome, but we have rights and we have privileges. Well, so does a citizen of heaven okay, but we don't experience them unless we live as citizens of a much greater place. See, in Philippi, you would not experience the benefits of being a Roman citizen unless you lived as a Roman citizen. If you lived contrary to being a Roman citizen, remember that's why Paul's in jail. They told him not to talk about Jesus, and now he's in jail because they might cut his head off. Because when he goes around telling everybody Jesus is king, that means Caesar's not but to experience the benefits of the kingdom that you claim to be part of, you have to live as a citizen of this much greater place. The apostle Peter said this, 2 Peter 3, 14, he said, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Just we said last week, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are now heir to a kingdom. You've come from outside the kingdom into the kingdom, and you need other people, other Christians, to show you how we live in the kingdom. If you don't know much about that, ask anybody who's married, who's another man came along your husband and taught him how to be a husband. Like, I don't know why she's so mad. I go out Friday night with my friend's party and I don't know why she's so mad. No, 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 no. We don't do that anymore. That's not the way we live now. Same thing as we're in the kingdom and we live very, very differently. The apostle John said this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, and everyone who has hope in him, talking about Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure. So a fulfilling Christian life 
is motivated today by an awareness of our citizenship. Now you might say, why didn't you just say future? You're talking about heaven. Look again at Philippians 3 verse 20, what we just looked at. For our citizenship is in heaven. It's present tense, isn't it? So he's saying you're already a citizen, right? You have to think like a citizen now. If you go traveling to another country, right? They say, let me see your passport. And you go, I'm an American. All of a sudden you love America, right? I'm an American, right? In other words, you better not capture me or the planes are coming, right? And so you're a citizen of a different land. We have to conduct ourselves as citizens of a different place. Not obnoxious, but citizens of a different place. Back in chapter one, verse 27, the apostle said to them, remember, a couple weeks ago we did this, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What's he telling us? When, by putting it in the present tense, he's saying, live now like you're already there. Live like you know who you are, like you know where you're going to. Don't live like a citizen of earth, a very, very different value system. Live as a citizen of heaven. But this is very important in reading the Bible. And I think sometimes, you know, I always joke that we, you know, sometimes we know enough Bible just to make us dangerous. And this is where we have to be very careful. I mean, the gospel message is this, that God put us on earth, gave us ways to live. And we just said, well, you know, we're going to do our own thing. And God in his great love sent Jesus Christ, his son. God himself became a man, lived a perfect life in our place, died on the cross, took the punishment for our sins in our place. And to prove that God was satisfied with what he had done, God raised him from the dead, ascended him into heaven. But we are to notice that. And there is a sense which you'll never become a follower of Jesus unless you understand that you have sinned before a holy God. James said, you sin one time, you're done. You're out. That's not too good, huh? That's not too good. So we can go around telling everybody we're a good person, but that's not heaven's assessment. And so there is the guilt part of the message of Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ solves the guilt problem on the cross. But sometimes I think that when we're not really thinking the way the Bible thinks, we tend to only want to talk to people about the guilt part. And notice here that the motivation he's giving the Philippian church for living the Christian life is not fear. The motivation here for living the Christian life is not obligation. The motivation here is hope. The motivation for living for God here, right, is the hope of heaven. Now, there are other motivations, but that's the one he's talking about here. So only a follower of Jesus has the hope of heaven. That's because if you're taking notes, number two, they have the hope of a savior. We're still in verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, present tense, from which we also eagerly wait, and he loads this up with who he describes Jesus to be. The savior the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I actually debated, and don't worry for those of you who have plans to sit in front of the TV and watch football today, I'm not going to do it, but I actually debated to do the entire message on just the second half of this verse. If you're a guest with us today, you go, oh, you couldn't do that. You need to talk to the other people who go here, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> and so, and why? Because even Christians today are so obsessed with today, okay, that we have lost sight of something very, very important. He says, we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the second coming, that the Bible promises that Jesus will come back. But being so obsessed with today, we've largely lost touch with the second coming. We're just too crazy focusing on the here and the now. We're being marketed to do that, correct? We're so focused on the here and now, we're not looking forward to the future. Now, when you read the New Testament, the return of Jesus Christ is a huge theme. The return of Jesus Christ was hugely on the minds for the early church because the religious leaders were treating them terribly. Other religious people were treating them terribly. What do you mean I need a savior? I'm fine, shut up, right? The Roman Empire said, you people are turning this place upside down when they were really turning the world right side up. They're persecuting them. And so what are they doing? They're saying, Caesar's not our king. We're waiting for our king to return. Again, we have to understand that this in the first century is dramatic language. Because in the first century, do you know who was the Lord, the Savior, and the king? Barack Obama, right? No, not Barack Obama. No president, no government official really was, is going to make this happen. But for them and their worldview, it was Caesar. Say anything else, we'll chop your head off. But a citizen of heaven was looking for someone else to come. And so the response of such people who are waiting for the return of Jesus is not indifference. You're not like, you know, you're like, dude, you should get a job. And you're like, nah, what's the point? What's the point? It's all going to burn. Jesus is coming back anyway. That's not living with your mindset on heaven because the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. It doesn't mean you're in sin if you're out of work, but you must be willing to work. And so the response is not indifference. It's not lukewarmness. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to sleep late today because Jesus, not today, Jesus. No, not today, not today. Now, that's not the response. The response is faithfulness as you yearn for Jesus to return. And don't overthink it, guys. It's getting up on time for work. It's getting the kids ready. It's getting out the door. It's showing up to work on time. It's doing it your job, not bellyaching about the boss at the water cooler, you know, not taking you know, two-hour lunches. You know, I have a friend who works. He goes, yeah, they changed my hours from eight to five. I said, really, what's up with that? Eight to six, because they went to a four-day week. He goes, it doesn't matter. We still come in at nine and leave at three. I said, now we just get an extra day off. No, that's not faithfulness. You know, cleaning your house, cutting your lawn. These are faithful things that we can bring the Lord into our life with, loving people, being generous, caring for others. So it's faithfulness. Now, several weeks back, probably months by now, we were in chapter one, and chapter one, verse six, is a verse that a lot of people have on their refrigerators and on their Bibles and on their, uh, you know, their desk at work and their dashboard. And we talked about it, and it says, being confident in this very good thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And you'll hear a lot of people say, you know, usually when they, they mess something up, instead of just owning it, they go, oh, God's at work. You know, he's faithful. He's going to complete the work in me. Do you know when he's going to complete it? 
the second coming. So if you're yearning for God to complete the work in you, you know what you should be yearning for? The second coming. Now, here's the problem with what we think of this. We think, oh, good, everything's going to be better than hallelujah. You know, all of a sudden you're like this wild Pentecostal. Oh, hallelujah, it's all over, right? Thank you for listening to Changed by Love Radio, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. We are excited that you joined us today, and we hope and pray that you will join us again next time as we continue to learn more about Jesus verse by verse in the book of Philippians. If you would like a copy of today's message on CD, simply contact us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills at 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the copy of the correct teaching. You can also write us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or send an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Don't worry if you haven't been able to write that information down. Simply log on to www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find all the information to listen to this message again or receive your own copy. You can also give securely to help Changed by Love Radio share the good news of Jesus Christ. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Philippians. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time here on Changed by Love.